0: The new Cinemax original series Quarry is the story of Mac Conway, a marine who returns home from Vietnam to Memphis in 1972 and finds himself shunned by those he loves and demonized by the public. He struggles to find work. Conway is drawn into a network of killing and corruption that spans the length of the Mississippi River. Catch the thrilling Cinemax crime drama Fridays at 10 9 Central or anytime on Max on demand or Max Go.
1: And welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon-Miller at LizLit on the Twitters.
0: And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters.
1: And happy Monday. Uh, Very specifically, happy Monday after a very important anniversary. Um, As you may have noticed on the Facebooks and whatnot, uh, or on IndieWire.com itself, uh, last Thursday was the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. Hooray! Yes, that's correct. That is the correct response to that question. Huzzah! That that statement, rather.
0: Um, Whoopee! Goldberg. <laughs> she was on Star Trek.
1: Yes, we did it, Ben.
0: Oh man, what a segue into the thing we we're already talking about.
1: <laughs> oh man, I love Whoopi Goldberg on Star Trek. Do you know? Do you know the story about why she really wanted to be on Next Generation? No, I'm gonna tell you. Oh boy, it's really, it's good. Um, bas- Breaking. I mean, actually, I think I may have told the story on the podcast before, but very famously. Um, she came, uh, when Whippy was a child, she was watching television and she came, she got up and ran to her mother and was saying, to say, mama, there's this, there's a, there's a black lady on, on, on television and she's, no one's maid." And it was, she was talking of course about Uhura on the original series and thus, it thus inspired her to pursue a career in acting, which has brought us such wonderful films as The Associate and that one where she plays a basketball
0: coach. The associate, the associate, and Eddie are your go-to Whoopi Goldberg films. Pretty good choices. Pretty good choices. Ladies. I'm just
1: gonna say, uh, Whoopi Goldberg movies after a breakup are amazing.
0: What? like Eddie?
1: Yeah, in just any movie. Like if you don't want to deal with like women in relationships and you know being happily in love, Whoopi Goldberg movies.
0: Go to Sister Act.
1: Sister Act. Yeah, perfect example. All right. Yeah. So anyways, the reason we're talking about Star Trek
0: well, we we're, we haven't been for a few minutes now, but let's get back to it.
1: <laughs> yes, but the reason we brought up Star Trek is um the, the 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 fact that this franchise has lasted so long is really just kind of a thing of beauty. And this led me to ask Ben earlier in the office, Is there anything like today, any anything starting up today that we can imagine? also having a 50-year legacy that could last that long.
0: Uh, and my my quick answer was no, especially when considering the context of, of kind of the legacy that Star Trek has. It, one of the most popular subjects to discuss when we hit our 50th anniversary was the diversity that uh, Star Trek always had, always inspired, always pushed. It was always at the forefront of what they were trying to do. Um, it, it's a very admirable mission, and they were always very inclusive. They were always very... Um, just, just open to to the future, open to things you know changing and evolving in a way that would make things better for everybody. Um, and thinking about it specifically in those terms, I definitely don't think anything on the air right now has the capability of lasting as long as Star Trek did, let alone spawning the same kind of. Uh, I, I mean, they're not sequels. What are the, I mean, what are the various versions of Star Trek called, Liz? Spin-offs. Spin-offs. Okay. Yeah, I'll I think spin-offs. I think I
1: think that's kind of the accepted uh, nomenclature.
0: Right. So one of the one of the ideas that that you brought up, uh, which is definitely something that could last a while, it's definitely a, a franchise that seems to be thriving right now, is uh, the DC TV universe, mainly on the CW. The CW. Um, and and while all well and good, all fun, uh, definitely attracts a similar audience let's say I don't see it as kind of the benchmark let alone um, <laughs> let alone hold the same importance that Star Trek does uh, now or in the future
1: I mean they, they aren't there's I mean they're, to be fair actually the DC the, the DCCW shows um, are putting um, have put a new emphasis on inclusivity um, they have introduced gay characters they've introduced uh, they try to keep up. Uh, with diversity, you know, of of race, and they also behind the scenes will work really hard to uh, improve improve the their stats in terms of having women and people of color direct, uh, which is you know impressive given that a lot of other networks and shows don't put that attention to detail on, or don't have that attention to detail.
0: I'm sorry, I didn't know the CW president was John Landgraf. Now,
1: no, but. I'm sorry, but no, very, very specifically though, um, at you know during during TCAs, the CW the CWDC producers talked very explicitly about this. You sh- you shut up. It was great. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes. It's a uh, it's a it's a worthy cause and what I'm glad they're promoting. It's 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 a little less iconic and a little less uh, let's say difficult to do uh, yeah. now than it was then.
1: It is true. Man, I was just gonna—I was just about to muse about what kind of, uh, what, what kind of, what an FX uh, superhero show would look like, and then I remembered that we're getting one. Damn straight. It's gonna be wonderful. Good old Legion. Uh, so, with—I think the other, the other issue, the other question that—not well the, the interesting thing about thinking about the idea of like you know something, something that's currently on the air today. Being able to spawn, you know, films and films and other shows in a fashion that could take it take it to the lives of our grandchildren, um, is it's terrifying.
0: (laughs) I really hope our kids aren't watching Legends of Tomorrow. That would be horrible.
1: (laughs) That they will appreciate they they will appreciate it on a level you can't, because it's too far in the future for you to understand. Not my
0: kids. My kids won't. Keep yeah, them, I'm pretty confident that any, any,
1: any kids on the tra- from the Travers line will somehow miss the gene for appreciating the genius that is legends of tomorrow.
0: <laughs> the Travers line and 90%, well, I shouldn't say that high of a number, but a large chunk of the population, let's hope. Look. if we want to reach the uh, the pinnacle presented in the Star Trek franchise.
1: Well, I think well, to 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 get us back more on track, what interests me about this topic is the idea of because it, it it also reflects how you know just in general the way we, things get made these days is very different, and you know I'm thinking of course specifically about uh, you know anthology series, like we have, we, we live in an a day and age when like American Horror Story can't even tell a coherent story across multiple seasons, so they, well can't tell is the wrong term there but they don't they choose actively to just keep rebooting and refreshing and you know we have such a wonderful diversity of shows on the air but you know they don't necessarily last very long
0: well, yeah, specifically with the anthology programs, uh, I think what you may have been trying to say with American Horror Story is that they can't tell a coherent story over the course of a season, let well, I alone mean, that was... tie it together in a longer arc for multiple seasons. The, the anthology series is, is definitely something that could be considered um, to have the potential of a Star Trek, to have something that could last for, for a long period of time simply because – If it misses one season, it's going to start over the next season. And and, and because it's got that franchise tag on it, it could survive for a very, very long time. But specifically to American Horror Story, which I believe is our longest running anthology series at this point, Mm -hmm. um, it does not have the cultural credibility, let alone the critical respect necessary to reach the level of Star trek Dumb.
1: This is where as a Star Trek fan I have to point out to you that the original series was not critically embraced. Get
0: out of here. It wasn't. You a joker.
1: Yeah. Oh no. I'm trying. I, tr- I I I I my my Boston accent's still in the works, friends. Um
0: We'll debut it soon.
1: <laughs> good lord. Prepare for yourself for that. I mean
0: but yeah. no, like even even if you even if you look back on the original series and you see that like if if the critical support wasn't necessarily prolific at the time, there's potential there. Like when you look at the original series, you can you can kind of see something spawning out of that, which is good. And maybe in the broader sense, you can look at American horror story and see that anthology series in general can can accomplish something very worthwhile much like their sister show American Crime Story that Mm -hmm. did something that you would have never expected to come from the same minds who created American Horror Story and frankly there was only one mind and it wasn't really his so it's not that connected as 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 much as it is connected through branding Um, but still like that potential was seen there from a business side from a creative side and they did something really great with it so like in broader terms like that in terms of a genre like anthology series in terms of a type of show like that perhaps that can reach the same pinnacle as Star Trek. That can be something we look back on, uh, in you know twenty, thirty years, and, and say, "Oh man, I remember when it started. I remember what started that, and, I, and look at all of the great things that have come from it." Um, but it's still, it's not the same thing. It's not a specific show. It's not in the same universe. It's not necessarily the same. It's not the same characters at all. Let alone the same topics or, or some sort of connectivity between characters like Star Trek has. So it's it seems like a very different beast.
1: Yeah. I mean, though, I will say like. Isn't There are supposed to be connective connective threads between some of the series, if I recall correctly, seasons. I,
0: well, again, you're going back to the other thing. You're talking about American Horror Story. There are yeah. connective threads in the American Horror Story season that somehow come together to add up to nothing from what I've read online. Um, but the between anthology series, that's what we were talking okay. about. We were talking about anthology series in general as opposed to American Horror Story specifically, which I do not think – I do not think in any stretch of the imagination has the potential to have an, a, a similar kind of impact, let alone last as long as Star Trek has.
1: Yeah. You know, I think the, the other thing about Star Trek is that it what it did so well with just its first three seasons is create a universe. And, you know, we start, you know, there is kind of, you know, there are elements of it that only came together. But you had, you know, aliens, you had very specific planets, you had, you know— a system of government. You had a very weird approach to um, economics that may or may not actually be viable. Um, and you know, and, and you know, they created a universe and within which uh, people were allowed to tell. You know, future creators were allowed to tell their own stories, and are, are still today. And I, it's interesting. Like one show that I feel like could almost be said to have done that as well is Thirty Rock. Dirty rock it takes place in this very like weird alternate universe in su- to some degree with you know its own pop culture and its own like references and some of it is overlapping with you know what we understand as the prime universe but you know
0: I mean the real one
1: the real yes the real world yeah okay <laughs> but like you know things like the leap day um the leap day uh, uh, episode where there's just like it just turns out that after seven years, they have the, the Thirty Rock universe celebrates a completely different version of leap year than all of us do. Well,
0: again, I well, I think it's a I think it's an interesting topic to bring up in in terms of of what Thirty Rock was able to do uh, specifically to the world that it established because it was a fascinating world to fall into. Just the the, the dialogue and the pacing of it alone were, were remarkably specific. Um, but yeah, like again, if you're going to compare it to Star Trek, the the, the key difference is <laughs> a who ratings were tough for this one, so the popularity of it is is sunk. B, it, it, it's over, and there's not really anything connected to it that still exists today. And if you're going to look at it in terms of what it inspired, I mean, then you'd have to broaden out that Star Trek universe even bigger than what it already is. If you look at the stuff that Star Trek inspired, then your list is going to be so long. And, and and you could definitely do that with 30 Rock 2 and say, oh man, if, if it wasn't for 30 Rock, these shows wouldn't exist. But that's not quite the same thing as saying, man, this all took place within the same. U- I mean, look at the series of shows you just did your giant ranked list mm-hmm. of those just the 19 movies and TV series that yes. existed within the Star Trek universe. That's 19 programs. I mean, that's 19, you know, spanning the course of 50 years, entities that that, that all held together within the same, uh, you know, body, the same the same universe that you're discussing, and and used the same exact. Uh, scenarios like to, to kind of continue this overarching story for fans who are clearly still rabid for it.
1: It, 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 is, it is true. I did not realize that there were 19 things on the list when I agreed to do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> that kind of snuck up on well, me. Well,
0: you also, when you wanted to do it, you also talked about expanding it to include some of the stuff that would count as like the inspirations like a galaxy quest where it's like listen galaxy quest isn't officially star trek canon but most people would kind of at least agree with it being part of that world it being kind of a star trek property if If not an official one
1: if i had been able to put it on my list uh it probably would have come in at like number four beating out the original series
0: yeah it's it's great stuff it's great stuff perfect screenplay according to what david Mammoth, right
1: Mamet really said Galaxy Quest had a perfect screenplay. Yeah, I'm
0: pretty sure it was. It was. Ma- I think it was Mamet. He he went on record as saying there was like one or two perfect screenplays in existence, mm-hmm. and one of them was Galaxy Quest.
1: I I'll double check this. Love that Ma- David Mamet potentially read the Galaxy Quest. Quest. A. I love that he read it just flat out. And B. I love that he loved it. That is a man. That is a real man right there. And David Mamet will write you many convincing words about how about about what a real man is too. So that's something. Um, God, I was just oh, I was just watching State of Ma- State in Maine. That's a mammoth movie for you. Um, well, I think the thing about Thirty Rock I'm going to bring up is that it it's there's a real missed there was a real missed opportunity for basically an, uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt to still be exist still exist within the Thirty Rock universe. And instead, what they've done is they've created a, like kind of its own little Kimmy Schmidt universe with its own pop culture and its own jokes and references. Uh, which is a fun approach, but I love the idea of Tina Fey and uh, alongside, of course, uh, Robert Carlock, uh, just kind of hopping and creating like little micro universes of television shows wherever they go.
0: Yeah, and that's that's a it's a beautiful, admirable thread that's tied to those specific writers, which is something that you can kind of reference in, in different iconic people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, again, going back to Star Trek, it's it's just kind of amazing how many different voices were included in this conversation that was started by Gene Roddenberry and and has continued on for so long to encompass so many different things.
1: I think that's actually a really good point is the fact that uh, Star Trek, of course, would never have existed without Gene Roddenberry. But it is through the influence of other creators who have come in that the show has lasted so long. And I think that's, you know, if you're talking about could there be another Star Trek, it has to be the sort of franchise that has the capacity for multiple points of view and multiple approaches. No. Um, did you confirm the David Mamet fact?
0: I can't find the exact quote, but there's multiple references to him describing the script for Galaxy Quest as being structurally perfect.
1: Perfect. It's a really good screenplay. It's very well done. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's it's. A, I mean, I don't know. It's fu- it's a fun game for me right now, just kind of sitting around thinking, like, hey, could this expand out? Could this expand out? Like, I feel like one show that has, I think, real potential here is uh, sci-fi as The Expanse, which already has like a... You're you're giving me the look of like, Liz, <laughs> you just said something ridiculous, which is ridiculous because you have not seen The Expanse, and ergo have... Me and
0: 98% of the country. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm, I feel like you're, you're very tied to the popularity angle here. It's a
0: very important angle, and that's one of the reasons that I don't think anything's gonna recreate it, because again, we're in a completely different age of television, and it's it's much harder for those television shows to reach the same number of people as, as happened in the past. I mean, honestly, as much as it pains me to say, the closest thing we might have to something of a Star Trek universe, in terms of expansion and popularity, is Game of Thrones.
1: I was about to bring up Game of Thrones, mostly to punish you. Um, punish
0: me for nothing. Punish me for telling the truth. Apparently.
1: Yeah, but what's it? But again, with Game of Basing Thrones. Basing arguments on facts. <laughs> facts, Max. Facts. What whatever, um, but yeah, I think that's a that's a really good point. Um, and I, I I'm only saying that because I was about to make it myself in a different oh of course
0: <laughs> of course Liz, of course it's only a good point if Liz makes it. I understand. I'll just be over here sitting here watching football. See you guys later.
1: There's no football now. But there will be soon. Yeah. it's gonna be a long long. How many weeks in the season?
0: Uh, Seventeen, not including the playoffs.
1: It's gonna be a long, long 17 weeks.
0: Yeah, we'll be done in in February. So start thinking about that.
1: Oh. Okay. So
0: Game of Thrones, Liz, go ahead.
1: I'm, okay. But what's interesting about Game of Thrones is they have they have talked a little bit about creating spin-offs. I um, think they, they didn't flat out rule out the idea.
0: I know. God will they.
1: I would be so amused if they created a spin. Like what what kind of what could they spin off of Game of Thrones that would amuse you? Would it would please you? Like, is there a version of Game of Thrones where that that Ben Travers could like?
0: Uh, yeah, they could create one that um, wasn't misogynistic or based in the patriarchy or you know just evil. And, but they set and, the and patriarchy mean.
1: on fire, Ben. Yeah,
0: they they took some good steps this season. I give them credit for that, but it is far too late. <laughs> so yeah, just start off on the right foot next time. Maybe let some women write it instead.
1: Ben, women don't know how to write.
0: Ooh, Liz. (laughs) Send those emails to Liz at IndieWire.com. She is also Lizlet on the Twitters. That's an I and an E. (laughs) See you next week. Oh, wait, we're canceled.
1: Oh, I,
0: I'm hating on Game of Thrones, and you just made an obviously <laughs> sarcastic sexist comment. But still, that's probably enough to get us off the air. I
1: mean, that's not that we're on the air. This we're is on a I, I, it's Whatever. either enough to get us off the air or it is peak, peak podcast.
0: Peak, peak podcast. Peak. trolling, if you will. Yes. Except you know, I'm not trolling because I believe it. And yeah. You're not trolling because it was sarcasm.
1: Well, the thing about the thing about the spinoffs uh, thing is that they didn't shut down the idea of doing a Game of Thrones spinoff, but they I don't. Know. But they don't seem very interested in it. And it certainly kind of seems like, you know, th- this very like, OK, we're done at the end of ep- season eight, which, by the way, we're not going to do probably more than like seven or eight episodes. Like
0: these things delight me to no end. Clearly, HBO is getting my letters.
1: <laughs> they are getting your letters.
0: <laughs> I mean, a lot. I mean, it's like two like two to one ratio of, of just leftovers, renewal letters versus Game of Thrones ending letters. But still, they're out there.
1: Man. Yeah. You know, it would be fascinating, like, to imagine story-wise what, like, an expanded Leftovers universe would be. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can't. We can't start down that path.
1: I've, that is, that, that giggle was incredible. That, that 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 moment of joy you just had. I really- Just
0: think about everything based in the hotel. Just think about a story told from being inside the hotel. Like, that could be the, the hub of the spinoffs. Like, they could start, you could start meeting characters within the hotel and then just track them when they either leave it or, you know, don't leave it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, don't write that. We're happy with The Leftovers as it is. Thank you. And
1: in, in, um, another another angle on, like, finding, finding room, finding something that could resemble an expanded universe down the line, I mean, what about these, what about the new influx of crossovers Network enforced or otherwise, such as. Are you talking
0: about Brooklyn Nine-Nine and New Girl? Was?
1: Yeah. I mean, technically, now those shows will exist in the same universe.
0: Um, I mean, it's, it's an interesting theory. I, I, I wonder what the strongest crossover has been. I mean, I know Supergirl and The Flash did very well else did we have i mean back in the day we had what king of queens and everybody loves raymond
1: oh yeah well and like uh all those the have died out thankfully. all the all the nbc uh nbc uh, thursday night comedies used to do tons of crossovers that's
0: true and frankly if those didn't pull it off then <laughs> i think a lot of the other ones are in trouble well it's um it's yeah. worth also
1: mentioning mm. at this point this mentioning at this point if you have never heard have you you've heard about tommy Westphal's mind right
0: uh no
1: tommy Westphal's mind i Okay.
0: You're saying it faster, which doesn't necessarily help.
1: That's true. Okay, so Tommy Westphale. Tommy. Was a character on the show Saint Elsewhere.
0: Westfield. Is it Westfield? I don't know.
1: I think it's Um, Tommy Westphale's mind. I'm pretty sure. I'm going to. Okay. Tommy
0: Westphale's mind from Saint Elsewhere.
1: Yes. West is spelled W E S T P H A L L.
0: Westphalale.
1: Yes. And the thing about Tommy Westphale's mind, so Falale, the famous, here's basically the deal. Um, <laughs> due to the way TV shows cross over and overlap and intersect, like about 90% of network television can be said to take place inside the mind of Tommy Westphale a character on the show saying elsewhere.
0: This is terrifying.
1: It's really wonderful. Well, it's little things like... Um, Like the fact that I can't believe you've never heard of this. This is one of my favorite nerd theories. I
0: mean, do we want ninety percent of broadcast television to exist in the same universe?
1: I mean, I don't want
0: to watch all that.
1: Yeah, but unfortunately, it does, Ben.
0: I mean, everything would be in New York, and then maybe thirty percent of it would be in LA.
1: Well, no, it's more like um, so. uh, God, I'm forgetting his name. Um, But the 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 guy who played Detective Munch um, on like Law and Order. How do you not know t-
0: Sam Waterston? No, that's all I got.
1: This is me Googling Detective Munch. Um, Detective Munch, played by Richard Belzer, is, for example, so because because he played this character on he played this character on Homicide: Life on the Street. He then played this character on Law and Order. Ergo, Law and Order and Homicide take place in the same universe. But he also made a cameo appearance on the X Files as Detective Munch. Ergo, The X-Files takes place in the same universe as Homicide and Law and Order. It only gets it bigger from there. Like little things, like um, in Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, they have a, you can see a Bartlett for America poster. Ergo, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip takes place in the same universe as The West Wing.
0: Okay, I'm I'm starting to get the the my looper feeling right now where we're talking about time travel and all these timelines are gonna get fucked up because this couldn't have happened when this happened on Life on the Street versus Law and Order because of X, Y, and Z. Oh yes. But then there's it's too a, many straws and I don't know what to do with them.
1: It's a complete mess. I will just show I will joke. I will show you the chart later and it's gonna blow your mind.
0: No, I'm not gonna look at that. Oh
1: you know, yes, it hurts
0: too much. I hate time travel talk. It exhausts me. It should all just be like about time. It's very simple. About time logic works every time.
1: Actually I heard recall about time being a little complicated on it that. Is it is not.
0: Makes perfect sense. <laughs> very like, simple. It
1: can be okay, I was gonna say it can be it can make sense and also be a little complicated.
0: It's not complicated. Gets in a closet, goes back in time. Done. <laughs> done, done, done. Oh, okay. and then he falls in love. It's wonderful. <laughs> If you haven't seen About Time, uh, I would recommend it to the same degree that I recommended Warrior. So, if you're looking for movie recommendations from TV people, then this has been your minute. Uh, unfortunately, your minute is up. And getting back to the Tommy Westphalale theory, um, I think it's an interesting one. <laughs> I find it. I find it far too complicated to be considered anywhere close to Star Trekian levels of uh, of future relevance. Yeah. But um, it is interesting to consider kind of how those crossovers could end up building more universes. And just in general, like we mentioned right at the top, with the superhero universes being so popular these days, the crossovers gaining popularity again. This is something that from a business standpoint is gaining a lot of traction. So it's something they absolutely want to do. It's just like, you know, with the film franchises right now, Star Wars got, you know, bought out by Disney in order for them to make a bajillion more of these things. And they're all going to exist within the same universe. Uh, who is it that's doing the monsters universe where they've got Kong and Godzilla and
1: I believe that'd be universal? Yeah,
0: like a bunch of other old timey monsters who are going to all inhabit the same world because it's you know, it ties them all together and it makes you have to see all of the other movies to go along with it. And obviously, this is a very simple structure to implement for television as well. So there could definitely be something that pulls that off. Um, One final thing that I want to talk about, and I'm sure you've got at least a couple more bouncing around, but I wanted to get it out before I forget about it. In terms of longevity, I think it's important to note the two series that stand out in my mind right now, which are obviously The Simpsons, which has had a huge cultural impact. It has established an incredible universe in Springfield unto its own. And there has been the crossovers between Family Guy, Futurama. Have they done other ones? Have they, done they did they? The Critic. They did The Critic. Not that um, anyone saw The Critic. Not that that, was <laughs> that that was as popular as a few of the others. But it, it is an impressive accomplishment, and they've definitely had a, an immense impact on culture, on television. Um, maybe not to the same level as Star Trek. I'm sure that's something that's up for debate, but um, it, it's, it's quite... The ordeal of what they've done, and again tying it back into some more uh, current, just about to premiere TV. South Park is about to enter its 20th season, and South Park, you know, wouldn't exist without The Simpsons. But still, it's also created a an incredible universe that literally spans out into the cosmos at times, uh, and, and it's done it done it very very well. They haven't done the same kind of Crossover ideas or, or, or built on uh, anything outside of South Park the way that, that the Simpsons creator tried to expand But uh, but really I mean it's it's an impressive feat in terms of what how it's affected our culture How it's affected the TV landscape how long it's been around and Just kind of the ideas that it is that it has created uh, Amongst everybody who's watched it
1: What I think I'm what I think I'm kind of coming to in my own head is I think what, and what in in some respects you know this wonderful age of otour television we're currently living in is great but i don't know if it supports building these massive franchises necessarily hope not um because
0: <laughs> it scares me today yeah star trek makes me happy but Damn the right idea of how they would go about doing that today makes me incredibly nervous
1: yeah i mean that's the thing because you can't you can't be tied to, you can't be tied to one one person or one creative team like could you could another writer take over south park
0: i mean if they could i'd want to see specific versions of that but what scares me is the opposite of that it's the x-files aspect i was going to bring up
1: the x-files where yeah. it's,
0: when it's kind of past the time of the creator where it's time for him to pass the baton and let some other people take on this this world that he's created would they even let him do it? Because in today's day and age, like you mentioned, we're so respectful of the auteur, of the creator, that we want them included no matter what, even when it is probably better off to let it go, kind of like Lucas let Star Wars go.
1: Lucas let Star Wars go. Um, The original creator of Battlestar Galactica wasn't involved at all with the remake, and that was probably for the best. And yeah, but Chris, everyone, the agreement is pretty much in that Chris Carter, if Chris Carter had handed off the X-Files to a different team of writers, we would have had a much stronger season ten, for sure. And there is talk that if they do a season eleven, they will bring in new writers, but Chris Carter will still be in charge. Yeah, and that is sad making.
0: Yeah, and it's 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 one of those really tricky ideas to kind of back because on the same level, there's so many high quality things going on right now, and it's hard to imagine, uh, you know, Fargo going on without Noah Hawley, or uh, even American Crime Story kind of going on without.
1: Oh god. Uh Scott Alexander and Larry, Larry Kazowski. Oh Kara, god. Karis,
0: Karis, oh, we got We're up. terrible people. Bad. Anyway, without without those so without people, Scott it would and Larry. be hard to do it. It would hard to be hard to imagine Well, they to go are. Forward.
1: That's that's actually one of the reasons why we're all very nervous about American Crime Story season 2 is that they haven't fully announced who the showrunner is yet.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: I don't think they have. Anyways, you the know. point is it's not Scott and Larry. Who did such well, a wonderful job with the first season? It may not be Scott and Larry. No, they've they've said they're out.
0: Oh, they're officially out.
1: They're officially out. Oh, I didn't. They're know that. they're moving on to a Patty Hearst thing. Mother
0: fricker. <laughs> that is disappointing. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, but and see, my instinctual reaction to that is, uh oh, trouble on the horizon. But in the opposite sense, when it's gone on long enough, where it seems like those people have either lost interest or lost the creative spark that they once had, or just you know maybe don't have the instinctual talent that was bolstered by other writers. It's good for them to kind of let that go, um, but yeah, yeah I, I, and that's that's the amazing thing about Star Trek. I yeah. mean, there was something about the the spirit in which it was created, the universe in, in how it was established, that allowed for other voices to spark to it and tell stories within it that were fascinating and new and fresh and, and challenging. Yeah, and that's I, an incredible thing.
1: I mean, it's it, it's it's pretty. I feel like it's pretty commonly accepted that the. Moment That Saved Star Trek was not the first movie, but when they made the decision to have Nicholas Meyer take over Star Trek II and Nicholas Meyer basically said, you know, screw this utopian stuff. I'm going to do Horatio Hornblower in space. And so he created it. So it's a slightly more militarized uh, ship. It's a slightly more militarized uh, uh, storytelling, but it's wonderful. And you know you, yeah, like they had to they had to evolve. You have to always evolve. and you know that's I think I, the big part of franchises you know maintaining is if it's just the same old thing over and over, that doesn't last for 50 years.
0: Adapt or die. and it's it's in the challenge of how you adapt that uh, will largely define the, the legacy or yeah. the longevity or both.
1: Yeah. So uh, I think the easy question question for, question. question
0: time with Liz Miller.
1: Uh, The easy question for this week is, do you think there could ever be another Star Trek uh, from today's current offering of televisions? And if so, what? So you should email that to liz at IndieWire.com and also email ben at IndieWire.com so he feels included. Precisely. Um, So again, that's, could there ever be another Star Trek? And if so, what would it be? Um, Moving, I want to quickly share, we got some comments from other people. Regarding past questions we've asked, uh, Shayna Shana had thought had wanted to tell us that regarding uh, whether or not she pays attention to the network, she's, uh, she, you know she's watching when she's watching a TV show, she says she does pay attention, but she, because she watches everything on her laptop, she, uh, it doesn't really have an impact. Uh, I just think some networks bring a certain identity to a show that makes it easy to connect the two. So that is from Shayna. Um, meanwhile, um, a very special listener, one Ann Travers. Hi, Mom. Um, would be very, up- regarding our question about cancellations, she would be very upset if they canceled You're the Worst. And she would also not be happy to see Last Man on Earth go. Your mom is cool taste in TV, Ben.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, it's a mystery as to where I got it, right? Yeah. I, Writing, I'm, I'm, I'm exactly constantly saying Exactly the it. shows that I'm in love with.
1: Um, she does not uh, pay t- much attention to the network a show is on, except to find it, or if our provider threatens to get rid of that network. Um, and also, uh, a, g- a good friend of mine named Frank emailed in, and his, e- his email is very long, and it contains a lot of interesting thoughts about how FX defines itself as a brand and a network. It really um, doesn't
0: like the FX app either.
1: Yes, that was my big thing. Is that he really? He basically says. FX Now is bullshit.
0: It's interesting, because I use the Roku as well I mean, he, he, now.
1: he mentioned that he hasn't used it in a while, mostly because he had such a terrible experience. Yeah. So maybe it's improved.
0: I think I used it for the first time maybe last December. And I, I use it pretty sparingly because FX is very good to us about screeners. Um, they are. But, uh, but yeah, it's uh, hopefully developed into something a little bit better than you first encountered.
1: In general, all apps I find tend to, all apps and all streaming services, you know, always start off rocky. It's really like about a year in when you can say, okay, now you are officially garbage.
0: (laughs) Um, Adapt or die.
1: Adapt or die. But then I have a question for you. Hit me. What was the best thing you watched last week?
0: One Mississippi, Liz. One Mississippi. Oh, yeah. Uh, I got to watch all six episodes of Tig Notaro. And Diablo Cody co-creators there of the new Amazon comedy One Mississippi, um, largely inspired by Tig Notaro, the stand-up comedian and radio personality's own life, um, in which she goes through a series of difficult ordeals and has to go home uh, to kind of deal with them. And it's something that, when you describe the plot or you describe the characters, the backstory, anything really, it sounds like it's going to be transparent level dramedy or darker and it is not it is such a uplifting positive and deeply funny show um it it definitely has the heart and it definitely has those honest moments where you have to just kind of be there with these characters but it's it's a very enjoyable program i can't imagine anyone watching it and walking away not feeling better than when they started Uh, the performances are fantastic and uh, it's it's available now on Amazon Prime. I can't recommend it highly enough.
1: Yeah, I've I've seen the pilot and I really loved it. And from what I understand, doesn't uh, without spoilers, doesn't Tig end up having like a really interesting succession of guest star girlfriends? No. 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 Maybe okay. I'm completely wrong about that. Apologies.
0: Yeah. I again, not to get spoilery, but to 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 avoid leading people in the wrong direction I'll just say no okay she, that, yeah. just, just
1: just, shut me down just
0: then. gotta tell you no Liz it doesn't happen that's not uh, not how it goes down Casey Wilson who's in the pilot is in it throughout okay um, I love great. Casey Wilson yeah great Um, but yeah no I'd uh, highly recommend One Mississippi available now Amazon Prime uh, I feel like there was something else I wanted to mention about it, but I can't remember right now. Well, you so really love you really
1: it. love the actor who plays her father, the character who plays her, yeah, the, Bill, of her fa- stepfather. Yeah, her,
0: Bill, her stepfather, is incredible. I keep going to call him John Roberts. That is not his name. His name is like John Rothson. I should, God, I should know this by now. Um, but really, yeah, the, that character, he really is kind of the linchpin of the whole show because he creates a dynamic that you don't really pick up on. Right away, but slowly builds into the most important storyline of the series. Um, and it's it's tremendous. Oh, I know what I wanted to shout out. Nicole Hall of Center. Bravo. Love you, Nicole Hall of Center. Please Yay. make many more things slash whatever you want. She is making, I mean, she's literally got 100% batting average on TV shows that she's directed. Uh, she was an EP on this for the first time. Uh, she directed, I think, two two or three episodes. Um, just beautiful work. The collaboration for this thing all around uh, between Diablo Cody Tignataro and Nicole Hawthorne just incredible stuff. Um, but Liz.
1: Well, I feel like Diablo, I know you're about what you were about to say, but I really feel like Diablo Cody's involvement has been underrepresented. Do you get that vibe?
0: Uh, I do. She wasn't really part of the t- press tour, nor was she spoken of to a high degree, nor does she have any. She's officially credited as a co creator. From the episodes I watched, I did not see her. I think she had like one teleplay like one script writing credit as well. So I'm not entirely sure how big of a presence she had on this, if she was in there day to day, if she was helping with kind of the outline or or et cetera. But we definitely don't want to forget about her because I mean, between Juno and Young Adult, she's made some terrific stuff. She's a great writer too. So let's uh, give everybody the credit they deserve. Liz, speaking of giving credit, what was the best thing that you watched last week?
1: Well, I finished Fringe.
0: Thank God. Our long national nightmare is over.
1: I've, the fifth season held up better than I remember. Okay. but Breaking. Um, well, Fringe
0: season five, fine.
1: Well, certainly not the complete train wreck I remember it being.
0: <laughs> Breaking. Fringe season five, not as bad as you remember, but still not great.
1: Yeah. Well, then my other answer is not going to help you very much either. God damn it. Um, well, basically, because I was writing about all the Star Treks, I spent a very—I I watched a lot of Star Trek this week. And, you know, aside from just, like, man, you know what was a good show, Star Trek? Um, a, a good franchise, Star Trek. Like, all the Star Treks are great, but I did— That's not true. Yeah, that's true. There's there's not great Star Treks. Um, but beyond just kind of— Rolling around in my love for the franchise, I did rewatch uh, the t- original series episode "Space Seed," and that was, you know, I had forgotten how good that episode is, and the fact that it ties so—it's be- such a beautiful setup, or if- rather the fact that when they were making the Wrath of Khan, they were like, "Let's go back and take that episode and just, you know, really retell, you know, continue that story, and then we'll get Ricardo Montalbán, and it'll be awesome." Like that seems like actually a real risk, like especially like in the days prior to you know, DVD you know prior to DVDs and everything, like you like you didn't have even have VHS really, like so to ch- to challenge fans to accept a story based on an episode they may not have seen in twenty years, that's pretty cool. Um, twenty years is an exaggeration for like fifteen. Um, point is, Space Seed was great and all the other star treks i sampled even i i asked (laughs) my brother is a big enterprise fan and he was we were chatting online while i was working on this and i told him that enterprise is my least favorite star trek ever technically but uh, i challenged him to pick one episode of enterprise that would potentially shift its place on the list from last place and he actually did pick something that in combination with me realizing how much worse Star Trek Nemesis was than I remembered, um, did get that get, did get the order flipped around a little bit. Um, and given that I pitched this list from the beginning as DS9 is on the top and Enterprise is on the bottom and everything else is in the middle, um, that's a pretty big statement.
0: Good work, Mr. Miller. Yes, well way done, to, Way to get your argument in there.
1: Way to way to float your agenda. Well, but it worked. Made it count. I, I, I did give I, I don't still don't give Enterprise a lot of credit that is still the worst series finale of all time but uh, it was very interesting um, so Ben what's the next thing you're looking forward to
0: uh, the next thing I'm looking forward to Liz is uh, a show we mentioned earlier premiering on Wednesday if you're listening to this on Monday it's coming right up and that is the 20th season of South Park Yay! Um, cannot wait cannot <laughs> literally one of those shows where I don't have enough positive things to say about it uh, between its influence or its overall quality, even well, even year to year um, it's definitely it's still just one of the best shows that's on TV. It still finds new inventive ways to do just about anything it wants to do to get its point across and uh, I cannot wait to see what they dig into this year.
1: I mean season 19 you made you've, you made a big point of writing about at the time went went and went serialized for the first time
0: yeah and they they touched on that in season 18 a little bit but they really really hit it hard in season 19 and and i don't know if they're going to continue that they're very secretive about you know kind of the overall agenda of the series not to mention they don't really start working on it super early so uh there's a lot to kind of see what they don't maybe
1: don't start working on it until six days before it goes on television that
0: could be true that could not be true but uh but yeah um no matter what whatever their process is whatever it has been has been working extraordinarily well and uh, i will be doing my best amidst the onslaught of um, upcoming television to keep close tabs on the new season of south park but uh elizabeth what are you looking forward to I can't imagine it's a Star Trek property because we're a long ways away from the next one.
1: I mean, Star Trek Discovery is the only thing I'm looking forward to really for the rest of my life.
0: That's quite a statement, Liz. That's a
1: little bit of exaggeration.
0: We have a potential other X-Files season coming out. Oh,
1: God, that's right. What a world. What a world. I'm looking forward to Westworld.
0: Ah, good I
1: just got my screeners for the first four of Westworld. I've already seen the first two, but you got them too? Yep. Good. Um good. Everyone should be watching Westworld. It's going to be great.
0: Well, let's not. Let's not make promises yet. You've seen 2, and let's let's <sighs> hold off and see where ah, this thing goes. They were, they We've had s- a discussion about this at the uh, TCA's that warrants a little more introspection before we fully recommend everyone to just dive right into Westworld.
1: There is there is a lot about Westworld that is up in the air very deliberately in some cases due to the fact that the the show is rather than just kind of dump a bunch of exposition on you this show is very determined to make you beg for every little bit of information about the world that these characters live in yeah. um but i remember watching. i like i remember watching it and not feeling sm, like feeling dumb like not feeling smart enough to understand what was happening but i like that feeling i like feeling challenged by television so
0: well you gotta that's that's the thing too though when you have that or at least when i have that feeling. I have to sort out whether or not they did an effective job telling a story that makes me want to consider it, or whether they did a shitty job telling a story that is just too complex. But what scares me the most about Westworld is that they came out in some recent interview and said um, the re- one of the reasons for the production delays or the, or the reshoots or whatever they had to do at the end of season one wasn't necessarily because of any problem with season one, but because they're already setting up the ending of the show in season five or six, which to me means, which they said means they know the ending or they know where this is going already. And I frankly don't think that that's a healthy way to make a TV show. Um, I know it's very satisfying for people who are scared that, you know, they're going to write themselves into a corner. Um, But usually if it is that secretive about, the the content of the show about the twists and the turns and the developments and they're making you beg as you said for every little scrap information early on that makes me worry that they're going to extend this too long or they're gonna they're gonna be running in circles until they reach their eventual end point at that at, at stage and I, I'm not writing it off I am very excited to see this and it's got a cast that you should be able to watch pretty much no matter what is going on uh, in the story but I I get some troublesome signs early on for a show uh, this expensive and this elaborate. I
1: will say that uh, I talked to the. I, t- I also talked to the creators during TCA. we saving that interview to run a little closer to the show's premiere in October. But um, to their credit, they did say that they um, they they will reveal information. It's just the first two episodes are very low on specific details, but. Season one will, they, they did promise that season one will have a satisfying amount of information in it. It's just, you know, slow going.
0: Yeah, well, that's fine. I'm not not as worried about that as worried about them just taking their sweet time to reach an eventuality rather than healthfully explore new ideas as they come up within the context of this world. Because it's, it's a world, like, like we're talking about Star Trek. Yeah. It's, you know, you're establishing a universe. Have it some is. fun with it. Don't restrict yourself.
1: Indeed indeed um and you'll be able to read a lot more about westworld i'm very sure on indiewire.com where you'll find re- also other reviews interviews features i don't know why you care about anything that's not westworld but apparently you probably do um we will be writing it for you, writing about it for you i'm sure um but yes indiewire.com you should go there
0: uh, and if you are interested in any sort of tiff related film oh, yeah. coverage any sort of oscar related film coverage you literally cannot afford to miss any edition of screen talk which premieres every friday thanks to our uh, lovely partners and ann thompson and eric cohn uh they're at tiff right now they're seeing some they're
1: tiffing it up
0: pretty dynamite movies up in toronto and the oscar race is obviously well underway yes well underway and on september 9th or whatever it is today when yeah. we're recording um So, yeah, make sure you listen to Screen Talk. And then we also have a new TV podcast, which I think you'll want to tune into every week. Yeah. Uh, Our own uh, executive editor, Michael Schneider, is hosting Turn It On, uh, the new IndieWire podcast uh, featuring interviews uh, with creators, actors, stars, relevant artists uh, who usually have a show premiering either that week or the next week, something very immediate in your future that you need to know about. Um, It also has interviews – I'm sorry, it also has uh, columns being read uh, from Indie- straight from indiewire.com has uh, critical analysis, has everything you can imagine. Nice little radio show. Make sure you check out Turn It On, which I think right now is only available through indiewire.com, like uh, through, through SoundCloud.
1: Th- yes, I bet. I think they we're expanding that out now. It'll
0: be it, on it, iTunes soon.
1: And iTunes and Stitcher. Yeah. Um. Yes, and you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T Travers.
0: And you can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet. That's with an I and an E.
1: Yep. We'll be back next week, and as always, you guys, keep watching television.